Welcome to Looking at Lucasfilm, the podcast with a different perspective on the world of Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and all of the other entities that George Lucas, Kathleen Kennedy, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm have dreamed up over the past 40 years. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the one and only Dan Z. He and I are recording this on Thursday, January 7th, 2021. Um, been a while since uh, Dan and I recorded a new Looking at Lucasfilm, but you heard about uh, Tom Kane, right? I did. Tom Kane is, is a good guy, and he, boy, he, something really awful happened to him. I mean, go, feel free to share, of course. Well, uh, this news comes from Dan's daughter, Sam, who uh, actually used Twitter to reveal that her dad had suffered a debilitating stroke uh, back in December that severely impacted his speech centers uh, in his brain. And mind you, Sam has said her, her dad has already begun speech, uh, occupational, and physical therapy in Kansas City and is already making improvements. Uh, so, uh, you know, here's hoping that Mr. Kane makes a, a, a complete recovery. But um, I, I guess we should explain for, for those who don't know... Uh, Mr. Kane, I mean, look, if you're a fan of the Powerpuff Girls, he's, he's Professor Utonium. If you're a Kim Possible fan, he's Lord Monkey Fist. But, um, again, Dan, why don't you, you tell them about who he is in the, the Star Wars universe? Well, I mean, he's the the announcer that introduces all the Clone Wars episodes, but much more importantly, he is the voice of Yoda. He is the voice of Yoda, and, of course, Frank Oz started it and created it, but he's done it for the Clone Wars uh, he did it for a lot of the Lego stuff, a ton of the video games. He's just a wonderful man. He actually recorded some promos for me for Coffee with Kenobi years ago. And oh, uh, yeah. So now I really hope he gets all his full faculties back because I mean he's such a talented guy. Yeah, and 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 again, it, it, it just what Dan said. He's up in complete recovery. Uh, but now on the show, let's transition from those who are unjustly injured to those with self-inflicted wounds and. Um, Dan, that this is a personal message to the, the executives at Disney who control the purse strings at Lucasfilm. It's like, guys, do yourself a favor. Pay Alan Dean Foster. All right? I mean, literally, go into the office today and cut this ailing 74-year-old author a very sizable check. Pay Alan everything you owe him, and then some, when it comes to the royalties that Mr. Foster is owed for those Star Wars books through Lucasfilm, likewise the Alien books. Because... Honestly, I mean, I'm sure you've been seeing the, the stories that have been out there with, with Alan doing interviews about what's going on with, with Disney uh, and th them not paying his back royalties. And it's just, it's like every day, it's it's another story that Disney really wished didn't happen. Yeah, well, um, how did it even start? Like, how did it even come to light? I don't even... Well, you know, the, the, the interesting part of this is it actually dates back to when Disney bought Lucasfilm back in 2012. And evidently the, the way it works is that, you know, Lucasfilm had, you know, been paying Alan regularly for, you know, the various Star Wars books that he'd written. And, but again, you have to understand that Disney is a company full of very ambitious people who are, a lot of them are getting a job at Disney and then moving on to somewhere else in the entertainment business but they want to make their name while they're at Disney. And so evidently what happened is this young, ambitious executive decided, well, I can save some money for Lucasfilm by not, you know, by not honoring 
these contracts that, that Lucasfilm, you know, did in the past. And because we just bought the company, we have the option of doing that. And, but it's just one of these things where it's like, they did this to the guy who George Lucas himself sought out to write the very first Star Wars book, uh, you know, coupled with the fact that, you know, this is a guy who, you know, his, his, his wife has health problems. He's been dealing with an especially aggressive form of cancer. And, and, and more to the point, he has a lot of information about the history of Star Wars. For example, just last week, he was talking about how uh, there was in the novelization for The Force Awakens. Uh, he, you know, and again, he uses the screenplays to write the novelizations. And in this early version of the screenplay, there were very obvious hints that Finn and Ray were going to have a romance later in this trilogy. And so he set up those elements because they were literally, you know, suggested in the screenplay and executives at Disney then asked him to cut that stuff out of the novelization. And it's like, Oh guys, <laughs> you know, did, they ever, did they ever come out as to why? No, I, you know, again, it's just, this is the problem. It's like, you know how there, there's that old, uh, you know, uh, a, you know, thing about an attorney that, never ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. Mm -hmm. uh, this is the thing that, that, you know, that whoever it is at Disney who thinks I'm saving the company money between, you know, the, the mountains of bad press that Disney is dealing with now because they haven't paid this guy. And, you know, the, the, and the, the, every time somebody goes to interview him, yet another embarrassing Lucasfilm story comes out. So it's like, you know, and again, you know, just and the thing is, he's also a wordsmith. So you know, you know, as a storyteller, he gives a great interview. You know, he, for example, he's talking about you know what's happening to his royalties. It's like this is what happens when gargantuan cop. This is what gargantuan corporations often do: ignore requests and inquiry, hoping that the petitioner will just go away. And it's like, again, long story short, Alan Dean Foster isn't going away. Um, which is why, you know, and, and this thing that makes me crazy, Disney had this sort of thing happen back in the mid-1980s. Uh, um, there was a, a daycare center in, in Florida that had the outside of their buildings. Uh, in fact, I guess there were a trio of, of daycare centers. Uh, but they painted Disney characters on the outside of the building, and Disney's attorneys came down on them like a ton of bricks and it's like, you know, we're going to sue you and you know, you have to pay royalties and immediately paint over that art. And it, it launched weeks of bad publicity for the company. And particularly embarrassing was the fact that universal immediately stepped up and said, well, you know, I'm sorry, you're having that issue with Disney. Can we send our professional artists down to paint the outside of your building? You know, with our characters and, you know, it's just, you know, they, again, it was one of these things where it's like somebody thought I'm going to do the penny wise thing here. I'm going to make some, you know, I'm gonna save some money for the company. And now Not the penny wise from Stephen King. Yeah, no, 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 though, to be honest, that's the only thing that could make this worse. <laughs> you know, that's if Disney's attorney in this situation with Alan Dean Foster turned out to be penny wise. Um, anyway, we, we were talking about books. So. Um, we just officially had 
uh, the launch of Star Wars High Republic two days ago. And I noticed from some of the stuff you've been posting on Twitter as well as over at Coffee with Kenobi, um, you, you've read a, a number of these books so far. What is your take on, on the High Republic? I think it's really cool. I think it's quite refreshing. Charles Soule kicks it off with Light of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. And he's such a gifted craftsman, speaking of wordsmiths. I mean, his, his work on the Darth Vader second run and in mm -hmm. and, uh, the Poe Dameron comic and the other stuff he's done is just great. Uh, mm -hmm. And he he sets the stage and introduces stuff with the Jedi and the Force that I think are really fascinating. It takes place 200 years before the Phantom Menace. Mm -hmm. uh, with this cataclysmic event and, and like the first hundred pages is to build up to the event and the pacing is just so so mm -hmm. breakneck it's almost like a white knuckle read it, it's it's absolutely fabulous and they're, they're all very entertaining and i'm really curious to see how fans take it once they consume all of them and because mm -hmm. right now there's two out others oh, three if you count a, a, a kid's book for like ages six to eight mm -hmm. and then we're gonna have a uh, claudia gray's is gonna come out in february and i interviewed her for starwars.com to talk about that one Oh, cool. and, and we've got a uh, basically a book a month for a while. So it's it's really, really cool. Have, have you pre-ordered them or, or ordered them? Well, I, to be honest, no. Uh, you know, that in fact, though just tonight, uh, my, my Star Wars book order showed up at the house. In fact, I, w I was busy chopping vegetables, and so I couldn't step away. So poor Nancy went downstairs and hauled this incredibly heavy box up into the house. Oh. Uh, I got my copy of the Tashin uh, prequel books, a mm -hmm. book, uh, which is just as heavy, uh, you know, as they promised and, and full of amazing art. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to really dig down into it over the next couple of weeks, but I figured, uh, you know, that, that was my present to me after having somewhat iffy holiday. Um, Speaking of but, books, by the way, I, I got your book in the mail, and I'll oh, be returning it to you pretty soon. Very cool. I'd say that, that that's just, in fact, you know, Drew Taylor, you know, who's been home in Connecticut this whole time, has had my book, has not autographed it, not sent it yet. Um, oh, so, you know, again, you know, that I'm glad you're you're, you're working on this because I got to get Drew to get sent his. But, um, you know, no. So, I guess for me. To go back to the High Republic, the, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading these books, but at the same time, I kind of feel bad for the folks uh, behind this effort at, um, uh, you know, at, at, at Star Wars. Because, again, remember, the initial plan uh, was this was all going to launch earlier this year. And then in May, uh, there was the decision made because of the pandemic and because of you know the number of bookstores that were closed and, you know, comic bookstores and that sort of thing that they pushed the launch uh, back to now and you know just given how the media has lost its mind over the season two finale of the mandalorian i just feel like it's like oh you know it would have been nice to have a nice clear channel for this stuff to launch in as opposed to kind of being in the shadow of you know everybody talking about what happened on uh you know uh, the, the rescue and and speaking of which dan what did we think I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. I, I would say it's reasonable to say that the Mandalorian is as good or better than some of the Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. The last 20 minutes was or 15 minutes was completely surprising to me and absolutely thrilling. I, I clapped, I cheered, I had tears in my eyes. Uh, the moment I shared with Mason watching Luke appear and mm -hmm. then seeing Mark Hamill's name in the credits was just 
spectacular. I haven't been that surprised watching something and I don't know how long it was really, really glorious, glorious well, storytelling. Okay. okay. Well, I have to tell the story because I, I, on f that Friday morning, uh, the, the 18th, um, I, you know, again, the problem is Nancy teaches her water aerobics class. So we're getting up at five 30, we're heading out the door at seven. I'm sitting in the parking lot, you know, you know, waiting to go in to begin the class. And I look and you, Dan's already tweeted out at this point, you know, if you haven't seen this episode, get off of social media, you know, don't, you know, mm -hmm. don't, you know, just don't get this accidentally spoiled. And so, you know, and I'm good, you know, that, that I, I you know, shut off my phone and I, I, you know, I go and I take the class and we have some grocery shopping and that sort of thing. So we, we get home and it's like, okay, I'm going to clear the decks. Dan said, this is an amazing episode. I want to be ready. And I'm, I, I just, you know, I can't help myself. I open Twitter um. and, and this is the thing, you know, that, that and here's Mark Hamill's tweet and you know, but it's just, a, hey, seen anything good on television lately? <sighs> and it was like, ow! Oh! Oh! You know, and I, I just knew from that tweet that it's like, oh, man. You know, so, but it was slightly spoiled. Not completely mm -hmm. spoiled. Um, and, and, and to be honest, there's a part of me that's been genuinely enjoying how, how gracious Mark has been since, you know, this episode aired and, you know, and, and with people like Mingna Wen, you know, chiming in about what a thrill it was to, to be there in the set with him. And, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know, from the, you know, uh, Mando's battle with, with Moff Gideon or the, the, the dark trooper and then, you know, and then Luke's entrance, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it was great television it was great fun um more to the point uh it's left you know left our characters in in kind of an interesting place i i was wondering again you being the english teacher and uh, you know enjoying story construction the way you do uh what you thought of, of where things left off well in the tragedy when grogu was on that seeing stone and he's basically sending out a page to the jedi and it was very clear the the how the force looked the mm -hmm. the force field literally that shows up. I, I thought to myself, well, I mean, if he's as important as we're led to believe, and as we've been led to believe for the past year and a half, mm -hmm. well, it has to be Luke Skywalker. Who else is the most important, powerful Jedi that's in the galaxy during this time period? But that was a fleeting thought because it's more of wishful thinking mm -hmm. on my part. Here's and so then when he did show up and he left, I thought, well, I'm legitimately stunned because I don't know where this is going to go. Mm -hmm. But the fact that Favreau had the guts to do that, to bring in, you know, one of the most iconic characters in, in pop culture history mm -hmm. and to, to execute in that fashion was absolutely crazy. And here's something fun that you probably don't know. Mm -hmm. Steel Saunders is a Star Wars podcaster and a Star Wars personality, and, and he has a podcast called Steel Wars. Mm -hmm. And he had emailed me oh, in August or September, and he said, hey, give me your boldest, craziest uh, prediction for the Mandalorian season two. Mm -hmm. And on, just for fun, I said, Mark Hamill shows up at the end and, and, and helps the Mandalorian and the child out. And they use de-aging technology like they did with Kurt Russell or Michael Douglas. And he shows up and saves the day. And I was, that was a completely just a nonsense fun thing because I don't predict her that. And I was right. So he was, he was pretty stoked. He reached out to me right away. So I was, that was pretty fun. 
And I, I mean, oh, I, I, I'm very tempted at this point to ask you to go buy me some lottery tickets. <laughs> um, by the way, that this, it, did you catch the interview that John Favreau did with Good Morning America? After, I yeah, and I, I love the fact that he had been sweating for months that this news was going to break, that every other bit of casting news for season two of The Mandalorian somehow got out there, and the fact that you know this one. Uh, didn't make it, you know, didn't get out, you know, that the, 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 the secret was preserved. You know, I, I think that says a lot about the production team, you know, everybody involved in the production for, of this from effects to costumes all the way down that they kept that secret. Um, and it's, it's pretty, it's pretty impressive that it happened. I mean, obviously they were able to do that with the child, but nothing else was able to be secretive. Mm -hmm. And I was happy to hear him say, yes, the Mandalorian will return with the characters, you know, and love. But obviously, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer. And I am interested why the change and why the book of Boba Fett, because that was quite a surprising ending, which I'm still not quite sure how I feel about. What about you? Well, you know, it just it, it, that again, you know, that that, that back to Favreau, that, that the fact that, you know, Kathleen Kennedy and the folks at Disney feel so strongly about what, what, what John and, and Dave Filoni are doing. The fact that they held that back, that they had that huge presentation for the entire investment community, and they still didn't leak that that was going to happen. Um, I mean, again, that 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 just kind of speaks volumes about, you know, the the how solidly Disney and Lucasfilm are behind Favreau and Filoni, and about, about what they were about to do uh, with the Mandalorian. And I, speaking of which, the Book of Boba Fett, I, I'm sure you saw that. Uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez, uh, you know, is executive producing and, yeah. you know, you know, and I just, I loved, did you get to see, by the way, um, that I, I, and I'm hoping this isn't the only, uh, you know, installment of season two of Disney gallery, the Mandalorian we get, but did you see him telling the story about, you know, uh, you know, the, the, the tragedy that, you know, to the effect of if this was going to be the, you know, he couldn't, no one could guarantee to him that this was going to not be the last time we saw Boba Fett on screen. And he decided that, you know, he was going to redeem Boba Fett, you know, from the, the, the Sarlacc pit, so to speak. Um, yeah. And so, you know, that, that I think the way Robert describes it is that there's two pages of script that he turned into a nine minute long battle uh, where, you know, Bobo was finally allowed to live up to his reputation, you know, prove that he was the ultimate badass in the universe. Um, I did see that, and I love that. You got to love that kind of passion. No, I agree. I agree. And so, um, but yeah, just just the notion of that it's, it's, it's Robert who loves this character, who's working on Book of Boba Fett. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's an interesting place to leave that character and to see where, where it goes from here. Um, the confusing uh, thing to me though, is that they went out of the way to re sort of redeem him slash show that yes, he's obviously not warm and cuddly, but he does have some sort of a code of ethics, but then he shows up at Java's palace and he wants to be the Godfather or Snoop Dogg. So I was really kind of confused by that, but obviously we'll have to wait and see what happens. <laughs> he wants to be Snoop Dogg. I, I, I did not, <laughs> that that's not how I interpreted that, but, but now, now I can't help, but. Wow. Okay, Snoop Dogg. Um, uh, by the way, uh, of course, uh, you know we should mention, uh, you know, it, it, you know that Robert was working with an actor who's, you know, will play Jango Fett and now Boba Fett. 
uh, Temera Morrison. Temera Morrison. That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, and again, you know, but it's it's also important to stress here that the Temera was not the first to play Boba Fett. No. Uh, you know, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Bullock uh, was the first human actor. Uh, of course, Boba was introduced as an animated character. Uh, you know, at the 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 Star Wars holiday special back in '78, and wouldn't appear in the film still Empire in 1980, and it's it's been a tough year for our our Star Wars masked performers. The, yeah, you know, we true. we lost David Prowse uh, in late November, and we just found out about Jeremy um, on uh, December 17th. And um, when Dan and I get back from this break, we're we're going to talk a little bit about you know uh, Jeremy and his part in the Star Wars universe. And we're back. Um, but before we get to talking about Jeremy, though, um, I did want to talk about the news that broke today about in regard to the um, <sighs> the, the Kevin Feige Star Wars film. Um, I, I hadn't heard about it for a while, so I just kind of thought it fell by the wayside. But I guess not. No, no, I you know, and but but again, this is what genuinely intrigues me about this moment. In, in Star Wars. I mean, um, correct me if I'm wrong, on Investor's Day, there was one project mentioned. Uh, is it an animated series that's being built around the High Republic? Uh, it's not animated. It's the, um, it's, it's the, um, what is that? I can't, it's the one that the, the, the woman who did Russian Dolls. Oh, yes, that's right. Okay. So, um, yeah, that, 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 I, I'm just kind of intrigued by, you know, that that clearly, you know, that is one of the 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 aspects of this this new cross media event, you know, the publishing and what's going on with comics and that, you know, they're they are gonna, you know, march, you know, take us into this world with the the, the TV or the limited series that the, the woman who did Russian doll is gonna do. Um, but at the same time, you know, the notion that if you honestly look at what Favreau and Feige are doing, uh, and you know that you know the way they walked out Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka, uh, and now the Book of Boba Fett. That you know we're getting that Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, you know Thor, you know Captain America, the First Avenger thing going on. We're establishing characters that we can then bring in for this crossover event, and you know I. I guess for me, the the notion that the guy who invented, you know, the the crossover event, you know, Feige is is now getting serious about his own, uh, you know, Star Wars movie, and and more to the point, the guy he hired to to write this thing, Mike Waldron, um, did did you see his other credits? I uh, I saw they did Loki, right? The, the upcoming Loki series. Yep. That, and but he's also has written Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which is oh. kind of the the you know supposedly going to be the ultimate crossover thing for for um, Marvel fans. But the interesting thing is he's you know he's written for um, oh, I'm, I'm the Adult Swim show. That I, I want to say Dark and Marty, and that's not it. They're, those are the characters that inspired it. Um, but yeah, that that that. Evidently, this is these guys. One of the reasons Disney set up this deal uh, with this gentleman is that you know what's inferred that you know he's already written 
his season one of Loki and that one of the things they, they want him to come back for season two. And it's the notion of we haven't even seen the show and, and, you know, Disney and, and the folks at Disney plus are so confident in it that it's like, Oh, we're already mapping out season two. So, and we want this guy back. So, oh. um, so yeah, that, 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 but again, it's just sort of, I, I cannot wait to watch given what, Dave and and John are already setting up with the the sort of crossover event. It's like I can't wait to see what the guy who basically invented the crossover event is going to do with a Star Wars movie, uh, especially one that's written by this guy. So um, yeah, it'd be very promising. Yeah, I'm I'm very 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 hopeful. Um, on the other hand, um, again, it you know an. It's just it's it's tough um, to really talk about at Jeremy Bullock because um, you know I mean the, I, I was lucky enough at oh god I want to say a Comic Con this was either two thousand five or two thousand six uh, this was the same year that I got to talk with 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 uh, David Prowse but I I got to sit down with Jeremy and he I, did did you ever get a chance to interview him did you ever get a chance to, to talk with him or I did not. Every every time it was it was going to happen, there would always be something that came up, or we'd be like two shifts passing in a night. But all of my friends who are do the same kind of stuff that I do, who know him, think the absolute world of him, and just think he's a great man. Yeah, and it's just well, what was so interesting about him is he was so humble. You know, he would just talk about the fact that the the reason he got the part. Again, the, the reason he was selected to play Boba Fett is that his, I want to say his brother or his stepbrother is Robert Watts, who is one of the producers of the Star Wars movies. That's, that's correct. I believe it was his brother-in-law. There we go. Yeah. Okay. And it was just a case of, you know, one day, you know, back at the house, Robert kind of turns his head sideways and Jeremy, and it's like, you know, watching him you know, sort of stand there, it's like, hey, <laughs> you know, you have to come into work tomorrow. You know, I, I, I got something to run by you. And it just, it was the whole notion of we have this character we have designed and this see, you know, and again, they're working off of design of Boba Fett that was in the animated special. And the whole notion of, geez, that's going to be a tough, you know, uniform for somebody to, or a costume for somebody to stand in. And, you know, but, but again, Robert evidently looking at his brother-in-law said, wait a minute, I think you'll fit the suit. And it's a, and that's the thing, though, to hear Jeremy talk, he totally got the job because he fit the suit. Uh, on the other hand, George Lucas himself just talked about how, no, it was his carriage. You know, it, it was how he moved, you know, that, that he could, you know, the very way, you know, he insinuated that he was the greatest bounty hunter in, in, in the galaxy was, you know, the way he moved in that suit. Um, and, and honestly, when you think about it, you know, that the, the irony, in fact, he and David Prowse were very upfront about the fact that, you know, it's like, look, you know, what we did, you know, was pantomime. I, you know, that, that I, was it, American actor Jason Wingreen is is that who voiced um, Boba Fett for the films? Oh gosh, the original voice. You know, that's an excellent question. I'm not sure. I, I know Tamir Morrison does it ever since 1997. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know that that you know uh, you know after you know and again with with the 
you know, that, that that's George and he's allowed or is allowed to do that in his universe. Uh, you know, the creating new continuity, so to speak. But I love yeah. the original voice so much more, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have to admit that there, there was a, a very Clint Eastwood spaghetti Western feel to it. And, but, it, but at the same time, both, both, uh, Jay, Jeremy and David, you know, were very upfront about, you know, well, I do this, you know, David, for example, you know, I, I do what I do. And then James Earl Jones comes in and, and does what he does. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just sort of, um, and in fact, I, I love uh, when he he got the gig, you know, uh, he talked about George Lucas coming up to him and saying, welcome aboard. It's not a very big role, but, but I think you'll have some fun. And, um, and, and he did, you know, um, you know, and, you know, made the, the uh, you know, uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi and then uh, spent uh, years and years on the, um, you know, the, the, the fan circuit, so to speak, and was just incredibly gracious, you know, had, you know, uh, in fact, I watched him dealing with fans because, again, that was the interesting thing of seeing him at, at Comic-Con. We were in, do you know that, I think they call it the sale room, uh, the giant space between the, the two exhibit halls? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and it was literally me, David, and and Jeremy seated at one of the tables there. And what was interesting is you'd see hundreds of people pass through that space because they're going back and forth between various presentations. But it was like one out of a hundred folks as they walked by the table would then stop like deer in the headlights because they they recognize these two guys and wow. to walk watch them come over, you know, just, just you know, meekly, you know, here's, here's the, the greatest villain in, in Star Wars history, and here's the greatest bounty hunter in the galaxy. And they were both so sweet with people, you know? Um, I, I don't know. I just, um, it was such no, a treat. Good guys. Yeah, yeah, good guys. And, you know, but, but also it's important to stress here that Jeremy wasn't a one trick pony. Uh, he, he appeared on Dr. Who, uh, you can also see him in three James Bond movies, uh, the spy who loved me for your eyes only and octopusy. And in fact, it, it, what was kind of cool in the last two, he played Q's, uh, assistant Smithers, which, you know, I have to wonder, is that where the Simpsons got it? You know, Smithers. Um, interesting. Yeah. But anyway, uh, he wrote an autobiography, Flying Solo. Um, and there's also a wonderful documentary I highly recommend you chase down called L Street uh, 1976. Uh, it's a documentary about, um, you know, Star Wars actors. And, um, you know, here's the thing that, that you know, Jeremy... You know, they're, with actors, you know, sometimes folks stay a little too long in the spotlight. And um, Jeremy, starting in about 2015, 2016, um, started having issues with Parkinson's. And in the end, he felt that, you know, he took himself out. He took himself off the circuit because he wanted people to remember, you know, Boba Fett as the badass he was you know, in the movies. Um, but, you know, uh, he had a, you know, a, you know, a, his lovely wife, Maureen, uh, they, they, they met in 1967, got married three years later and, uh, you know, had two sons and, 
you know, he was very proud. Uh, you know, in fact, that I can remember him talking about all 10 of his grandchildren. Um, so, and again, you know, just, this is the thing. So many of us just know these guys from, you know, that, that, that moment they're up on screen and, uh, and it, it just, it's so nice, um, when somebody like that, uh, not only is a part of your favorite film, but also it's just a good person, you know, and I guess you don't say that a lot about, about a lot about, you know, bounty hunters. So, um, anyway, so, all right, Dan, um, <laughs> this, uh, for those of you who've been paying attention, this is Dan and Maya's last episode together at, at looking at Lucasfilm. Um, Dan is, uh, you're an incredibly busy guy these days. In fact, you were just talking about, uh, your, your most recent story you're writing for starwars.com and you didn't. Uh, did that wonderful, you know, educational series earlier this year that that continued, right? Uh, no, that they that stopped once basically school started opening up again. Mm-hmm. It, it was sure was a blast to do. Mm-hmm. You're always so supportive. I appreciate that. No, 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 no. Glad to do it. Glad to do it. And it just, you know, um, I, I guess for me, um, I, my biggest disappointment here is I, I loved um, finding weird little Star Wars stories to share with you. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw the Ross Biedman thing last week. Um, no, you've done it okay. again. <laughs> okay. This is, okay. So um, in Revenge of the Sith, uh, you remember when Anakin goes back to the the, 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 the temple and, you know, they, they, they were the younglings? Oh, yes. And the little boy who comes out and talks to him? Um well, it, it turns out that, that that little boy's name is Ross Biedman. And he just he's just been on Reddit talking about what it was like to shoot that scene. And, um, I, and somebody asked him about, you know, that moment, I, which is you know, so affecting in the film where, you know, he's a, you know, you know, Master Anakin, what, what are we going to do? And, you know, you hear the lightsaber come on and, and he flinches and, you know, and then you, you know, you cut away. And so, you know, they were asking, how did, you know, how did you flinch? You know, that, what prompted you to flinch? And he was saying, well, to be honest, Hayden said, boo. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, this really scary moment in Star Wars history. And it's Hayden Christensen goofing with the kid. You know, just sort of George told him what to do. And, and that's the other thing. He, he talked about, you know, we're a bunch of little kids in a room that's surrounded by green screen. And, you know, to be honest, the only reason he got um, out of the kids who were there that day who got chosen to do this uh, was because he was the one who could remember the line. You know, it's sort of like, OK, you can say, you know, you remember the line, you get to do this. And even then, it took four takes to get him to say the line properly. So um, I heard George say one time that he considered that sort of a um a metaphor for Anakin's loss of innocence. And that, that was very interesting. Hmm. Wow. Um, I had not heard that. They did. Uh, that said, though, Ross went on to say very nice things about uh, Hayden. I guess they, 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 they met up like 10 years later and there's this sort of wonderful photograph of the two of them together. Um, so <laughs> no hard feelings for, for, you know, offing all the, the younglings. It's like Monty uh, Python. <laughs> <laughs> 
Merely a flexible. <laughs> but um but anyway, again, folks, I, I'm I'm gonna miss stuff like that, being able to share the the weird little stories. Uh, but on the other hand, again, it's not like you know we're stopping being friends. I'm sure we're gonna continue to commit. And uh, more to the point, you know, coffee with Kenobi is very, very much an ongoing thing. Uh, you know, in fact, uh, you know, every time I turn around, you're you're launching something new over there. Um, so uh, speaking of which, can, can you talk about what's going on with Coffee Kenobi, you know, up ahead now? Of course. But uh, most importantly, I want to thank you again from the bottom of my heart for this opportunity to be able to share the airwaves with you for what we do this for two years. Is that fun, right? Yeah, I think at this point we're 53 shows, something like that. Oh, so, sorry. Yeah. yeah. About two, mm-hmm. two, uh, two a month for yeah. that time. And it's. It's been a, uh, an absolute joy. I've said many times I was a huge fan of yours before. Uh, then we had you on the show a couple of times. And then I'd reached out to you and said, hey, if you're ever doing a, a, a Lucasfilm show, I'd love to do it with you. Ha ha he he. And you responded rather quickly. And then we, we became fast friends. And I've learned from you. I've been inspired by you. And it's it's been great to be on the other side of this. So, I mean, every time I talk to people, as soon as they find out that I do some things with Jim Hill, their jaws drop because people love you so much. And I, again, want to thank you so much for the wonderful opportunity to be the host of looking at Lucasfilm. And yes, you are certainly not getting rid of me. I'm, you know, I'm going to be calling you and emailing you all the time. Well, at, at the very least, I'm going to be reaching out with this passion book seeing, you know, again, that that's, I think the one thing I regret, I've, I've got this got a giant, huge, thick book, Full of stories, and it's like the one guy I'm going to read something. Oh, I would love to tell Dan on our show, but we're not going to do a show. Well, so, okay. just have to come on coffee with Kenobi, I guess. We'll break down the book. Okay, there we go. So, <laughs> all right, <laughs> he's not rid of me yet, folks. No, okay, so no, so anyway, you were you were about to talk about what's going on at Coffee with Kenobi these days. Yeah, we uh, of course every Monday night at eight o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time, we do Facebook Live. And we have a great audience for that. It's a very loyal group of people that are just uh, become like family in many ways. But there's a lot of people who listen to Coffee with Kenobi's regular podcast that don't hear the Facebook Live. So I thought, you know what? Everybody's busy. It's hard to kind of commit to that sort of a thing. So in addition to releasing the live shows afterwards, of course, they stay on Facebook, but I put them on our YouTube channel and our Instagram. But then I've been releasing the audio of it exclusively because they are a podcast still. Mm-hmm. So we get two, basically two coffee with Kenobis a week. And my hope is that we'll draw more attention to the Facebook live audience because it's very much interactive and you get to talk a lot with me, ask me Star Wars questions. And we do our top fives every week, which you're a part of the show for. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. Of course, coffee with Kenobi continues each and every week. We're going to do a lot of coverage of the high Republic. We've got some great interviews coming. You were just mentioning that any idea when the your most recent interview will drop or. Well, the, the, the Claudia Gray one was on stars.com. That came out, I think, a day or two before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a couple of surprise ones that are going to be on the podcast in, in the near future. And then, of course, you can find Coffee with Kenobi all over social media. And we do have a Patreon page. We have an exclusive weekly show, CWK Pour Over, hosted by myself, Tom Gross, and Corey Clever. We look at all kinds of popular culture topics and try to give people an escape and a respite and put a smile on their faces as well. Sounds like a particularly noble mission, especially given what's going on in the world lately. Um, well, again, if you're not listening to all of that stuff, or, or more to the point, after you listen to all that stuff, 
if you if you're hungry for more, uh, we do have some some other podcasts here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We got uh, Disney Dish with Len Testa. Just recorded a brand new episode of that today. Uh, we got uh, Marvel Us Disney, the the uh, Marvel Entertainment podcast that I do with Aaron Adams, the talented gentleman who edits a lot of the podcast uh, for us here. Uh, let's see, we of course have our, 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 our mutual buddy, Drew Taylor, uh, who will be winging his way back to L.A. tomorrow after spending a, a month in Connecticut. Mm. Uh, and hopefully he and I will get to put a, a new fine-tuning together uh, sometime in the next couple of days. Are you telling me this uh, is the last time I get to zing Drew Taylor on looking at Lucasfilm? Well, you know, we can record a few and drop them in later if you want. I mean, so. <laughs> like Stanley cameos. Yes. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Gonna just, just, just oh, I love this idea. Um, let's see. I just did a, uh, a brand new uh, I Want That with Shelly Valladolid. And she was just reaching out. Uh, you know, there's some new Disney stuff that, that we need to chat up. So we'll get a new one of those out the door. And of course, Universal Joint with Dustin Fuse. I'm hoping we get a new one of those recorded this weekend because there's a lot of Universal news going on as well. Um, let's see, folks, as we close out here, uh, if you could do Dan and myself a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts. And rate and review not only Coffee with Kenobi, but the podcast you're listening to right now, looking at Lucasfilm. Uh, by the way, you know, because again, that, that that gets us extra ears and eyeballs. Uh, by the way, if you really, really, really like what you heard here tonight, uh, if you want to uh, you know, head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, uh, that's what makes it possible to, to God help me, this Tashin book. The, it started at $200, Dan. Um, I, I missed my window to buy it for $149, but they, they got, it got down as low as 171. And then, uh, I forget who gave me, uh, you know, an Amazon card or two for, for Christmas. So it's like, all right, I'm going to break, I'm going to get it. And, um, I, again, I'm, I'm hoping it's worth the investment. I'm hoping, uh, it has all sorts of stories that I'm, I'm, again, I'm just going to, I can't help myself. I'll reach out and, and share with you, but, um, but for now, uh, again, folks, thanks for listening, and, and thanks again for Dan for uh, you know these past two years of shows and you know sharing your knowledge of the Star Wars universe. And uh, all I can say, folks, is you know if you like what you heard here. Be sure to head on over to Coffee with Kenobi and you know check out what Dan's up to. Uh, and we'll be back soon with a solo version of looking at Lucasfilm. So I, I guess I got to go out and get a lot of hand solo stories. So, uh, but anyway, thanks again, Dan enjoyed working with you. Uh, best of luck to in the future. And right. Well, Hey, thank you again. Thank you so much, everybody for the, for the years of support and, and reaching out in your tweets and your emails it is very much appreciated. And as Jim graciously said, uh, I'm not going away. I'll, you can find me on Coffee with Kenobi every single week, and and Jim will be a very much a regular on the show as well. All right, take care, folks. Have a good night.